Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. Today we have Ali Husani. Ali is the owner of Bloody Decks and uh, as a previous guest also as well. He was, uh, God, I think in the first 50s of episodes or 50s or 60s. It's been a big help to this podcast and we got to catch up with him and what he was doing, what he's been doing. I uh, went down to the actual office, Bloody Decks office and did it down there. Uh, this is a really good one. It's informative about the fishing industry he kind of gets into the whole uh a lot of depth into the fishing industry like how how bloody ducks ran uh how it's ran been running during this whole pandemic which i know it's always a a topic for everyone because it's kind of i guess it's fucking going on now so <laughs> um yeah so this was a great one with ali uh thank you to all the patreon members that have um donated so far i really appreciate it I said my goal on there was to make the Viking happy, and I think we hit it. So now, uh, thanks to all the guys that uh, donated, I don't have to pay for the podcast out of pocket anymore. I really, really appreciate that a lot. And, uh, you know, for everyone that's going to be sticking on, I'm going to do something special quarterly, every quarter. Try to do something cool for you guys, maybe like a hat or a shirt or something, you know, uh, whatever I can do, try to do. Um, also, this month, this Patreon is sponsored by Piz Swimbaits. And Slaunch Mob, both great products. Uh, all you swim bait guys, I'm sure know Piz. He's donating a Raya crank to us and uh, a couple shirts, a buff, stickers. Couldn't, uh, I can't say thank you anymore to Piz, Paul. And Slaunch Mob, you know, the same thing. I'm way into their design, some metal hardcore stuff, punk. So if you guys are into that and like it, please check that out. Um, we do have a couple reads today. I'm pretty stoked on these ones. The first one we have up today is the California Marine Sanctuary Foundation. Uh, this is one they're just promoting the MPAs, not not new ones, but um, the existing one, just making sure everyone's safe. And uh, they try to inform and educate. That's what they're trying to do. So uh, conservation is a necessary stewardship of outdoorsmen. It's up to us. MPAs, know the boundaries, save yourself from the hassle being ticketed. MPAs close some great fishing locations, but if you know how to fish the buffer zones, they can be very productive. Taco Tuesday rockfish, know your depth and know your species. Eat well. Um, yeah, man, you know, uh, just try to uh, know where you're fishing. I know a lot of those uh, Navionics apps and uh, the maps, when they upgrade them, they actually have the MPAs marked in there. And I think we're going to have Eric Landisfine on soon, so he could probably break that down a little better. So uh, thank you again to them for uh sponsoring this podcast we really appreciate it the next one is from slay day here's a little piece from them we all know boat ownership is both a blessing and a pain unexpected costs insurance breakdowns fuel and equipment are all things to consider when buying your own boat in southern california slay day socal center console boat rentals offers us anglers a chance to experience running your own boat with the ease of knowing we don't have to deal with all the headaches they have a fully stocked 21 and 23 foot center console ready to head to the island. Following a hugely successful tournament last season, Slay Day SoCal is again hosting a CA Spiny Lobster 
Hoop Netting Tournament Series. Beginning in Long Beach this October, join over 150 anglers this year at a kickoff event on October 24, 2020 out of South Shores Queensway Launch. For just 130 per team, you can have a chance at over 4,000 in cash winnings and another 3,000 in high-quality raffle items from local companies. Head over to SlayDaySoCal.com to register for the event or check out the boats that Slayday has to offer. All Slayday rentals include fuel for the day, 60 pounds of ice, navigation and sonar provided by Garmin touchscreen units. <clears throat> Slayday SoCal, your passion, your boats. Um, I'll actually be at this event. I'm going to enter it with uh, Big Dick Bobby and uh, Daniel from Domeki. And I think our team name is going to be Egg Rolls and Chorizo. <laughs> we had another one, but I don't. I don't think people would appreciate the name. It was. It's pretty bad. So, uh, yeah. Hopefully, I see you guys down there. If I do, say hi. Uh, what's up? And uh, please support both of the things that were on the podcast today: Piz, Slay Day, and uh, just know your uh, boundaries when you're fishing LPAs. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to all the patrons that have uh, helped donate and help make this podcast move forward. We also have this week on Thursday will be Carlos Verdugo from Sublime with Rome. We catch up with him. Great podcast, fun one. And then we have some good swim bit ones coming your way. So if you can, let's go on iTunes, give us five stars, give a positive review. Thanks, guys. So I got to keep them. Spend a few bucks. But no, 500? I'm good. <laughs> is that what they cost? Yes. Jesus Christ. Yeah. This shit's That's the last piece of the puzzle is the, is the microphones. Thank God I kind of know what I'm doing with these microphones so I can make them sound fucking good. Really? You know, but, um, we got well, all, even the ones like in the studio, you have them this close These are to the same. Face. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because this is the problem is, is with the, uh, these mics, they're a uh, cardio pattern. It, it catches everything. Okay. Okay. With the SM seven B's, yep. which is a Brogan has, it's it a directional right into your mouth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's it. So when I do somewhere big, like say when I did the PCS show, yep. I get a shitload of reverb, yeah, all you. the back noise. I got you, I got you. So the farther you pull off, the more echo you get, and then that's what kills Could it. Could you do it with cordless mics? No, it sounds like shit. Does it? Yeah. I mean, that's what we use on TV? They do, but it just, I mean... You don't have that depth? No. Okay. Then no, that's what I like, noticed from a podcast. You yes. get way more depth I like range. hearing, yeah, the depth of the voice, because you, you hear a lot nowadays, we'll put a mic on the center of the table, I'm like, I can't listen to that. Uh, I'm a music guy. I can't listen to shitty recording. Either, yeah, like, yeah. It's like know? my video guys. They won't compromise yes. on that too. But we use directional mics on the cameras sometimes. Oh, those, like if I we're mean, on a boat. When I've done a when I've done um uh the video stuff I've done, uh, it's all labs. I mean yeah. and it'll work and I edit the shit out of the audio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We I mean, use the lobs for like <laughs> yeah. our general shooting, but like if we're gonna be on a boat with a bunch of guys, then they put the directional mic yeah, on the camera. That's great. And you can capture like the sound of a real a sound bite from exactly. somebody who's not mic'd up. Exactly. Yada, yada. Yeah, yeah. And that's my big thing is like I've done a couple videos. I did one for uh Bobby Martinez. It was like a deep drop uh it was for Rock Cod and Daiwa put it up and uh I just did it for a fun project, but I wanted to like really focus on it and it came out really good and uh but my big thing was the audio i didn't give a shit the video yeah, came yeah. out really good but like i took the audio put in pro tools edit it you know yep, like, yep, yep. i'm an audio guy but no sound engineering is huge like some yeah. of the video, higher end video stuff we do we'll send it to a sound engineer to yeah. go through yeah and add in all those little water droplets and Dude. the motor starting up and all that stuff especially with your i bet you've learned so much just through local knowledge oh just, it's crazy right it's crazy we do local knowledge and we do another we do the top show on outdoor channel as well so we're producing when two did you start doing that shows four years ago really obsession of carter andrews we do that show too you guys you have a production company you're taking care of yep, yep. with the production company did you build it yourself yeah oh it's just me and my boys is it called like something yeah pez guile really rooster fish yeah. oh so that's your whole production company yep. do you have other people coming to you to like oh do yeah projects? we do video work for the whole fishing industry no way that's yeah. fucking cool man no yeti costa yeah afco um, everybody's anybody Shimano videos. Yeah. We've done pen. Vi we did all of the pen launch videos for last year, like 60 something videos. Damn. No, we produce a lot of stuff and we don't, it's just stuff we don't talk about, you know, but everybody yeah. in the business knows we do it and it all sprung from doing the TV show. Yeah. Yeah. How's the TV show going? It's going good, man. Yeah. It's going good. I mean, all, anybody that tells you COVID is helping your sponsorships <laughs> is lying to you, you know, but like, uh, and the Evan Rude thing was definitely a blow. Did you know anything about that before? No idea. Dude, I, I got Fuck. it from a friend, a buddy of mine that works for Shimano texted me. He goes, I'm so sorry about Evan Rude. And I'm like, I was on a trip. I was up oh and I took God. a COVID flight up to the Northwest. I was building a boat for a guy mm -hmm. and I looked at my phone and I'm just like, oh shit, this isn't good. You know, and I knew they were shut down. 
I had no inkling. We thought we were going to resign for another three or four years, and they've been great to us. We have no complaints. Like easy to work with, nice people, all that stuff. And it just. Do you think they shut down from COVID? Oh yeah, that's what that really was that was the reason. Fuck, that's crazy. They shut down for COVID. You know, stopped manufacturing and all that. And then I think they started to look at taking three months off and looking at the numbers. And it just didn't pencil oh. anymore to get going again. And it's not like they weren't selling motors. It was more like they couldn't pro- do the production with the workers and the. Yeah, I, they were. More grow- like I mean, I think their market share was growing, but I don't wow. think it was growing as fast as they wanted. And I think you know, I, I don't know, man. I feel like half of this COVID stuff is people using it as an excuse to to clean, you know, kind of sweep put stuff under the rug or flip the rug over and. You know, the other half of it, obviously, for some businesses, have just been devastated. So. I'm sure on the advertising end for you, since that's a lot what you deal with, it's easy for dudes to go like, hey, fuck it. Let's get rid of this or not do this. Yeah, everybody's cut, like, you know, like, oh, you fish for a living. I do not <laughs> fish for a living. There's guys that fish for a living. I'm not one of them. I sell advertising for a living. I mean, that's our business, right? Yeah. It's building community, putting out cool content. But at the end of the day, when the rubber meets the road, we sell advertising, whether it's television show advertising, digital advertising, mm-hmm. you know, Fred Hall show guide stuff we do, all that stuff. That's the business that we're in. And if you can imagine, I mean, almost without fail, Gosh, except for like accurate, Mm -hmm. every single one of our advertisers brings in product product from Asia. Wow. So every single one of our advertisers didn't have product for three to four months. Shit. So I mean, you look at the tackle shops, dude, there is not anything there. I'm like, where the fuck are all the reels? Dude. I haven't came in yet. I was just down with Ricky at Fisherman's Landing yesterday. And I mean, it sounds so silly to say it, but there is a global tackle shortage. Yeah. You know, I had one of my trout reels break and I was going to go to the Sierras and I needed another trout reel. Dude, I know a few people. I can usually fire <laughs> off an email, you know, and one shows up the next day. Nobody. Fuck. Nobody had anything, anything. You I mean, a good company, drive to tackle shops. Dude. I mean, <laughs> I, I, so Ricky had one in stock that he pulled off the shelf for me. And then I called my boys at Pure Fishing and he's like, I think I got some samples somewhere. I'm going to send them out to you. Yeah. And that's how I got trout gear. Like literally. Dude. You can't find anything anywhere. The Okuma guys were telling me they would normally have hundreds of thousands of combos in their warehouse. You know, that like the prepackaged combos, they have nothing. And if you look, because I mean, I buy you shit sometimes. You look how much stuff's going for. Even like weight. I've been trying to get back into shape and haven't been drinking and, mm-hmm. you know, riding my bike. Um, you can't find a fucking bike. Oh, I bet. You can't find weight. I like, I'm like, how much is a barbell with fucking 200 pounds? Yeah. 700 fucking dollars. People oh, want. It's usually two bucks a pound for lead. Like, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking, okay, I could buy some weights for a couple hundred bucks. He wants my kids here. He wants to lift weights. Okay. Fuck no. Dude, That's everything crazy. is so people are just po- pushing shit up. They know they can it's get everything. It. It's just everything outdoors yeah. has exploded because it's kind of like the only escape, you know, right now, like. Dude, we went to the Sierras. It was packed. Dude. Everybody's saying that. You know, anything that's an outdoor activity is just going crazy, which honestly is awesome, you know? But like we were talking about before we started the show, everybody I know who's kind of in the hard goods side of things, whether it's boats, engines, sea keepers, you know, tackle, whatever, they're crushing it, crushing it. And tackle stores included because they're the guys actually selling it. Yeah. Guys like me, you know, like in the advertising business, not crushing it, not no, by a long no. shot. It's a tough time, man. Advertisers are scared, you know, and, and who knows what the future looks like right now. And I was telling you, you know, I've got a buddy who owns six or seven restaurants. He employs 500 That's people. Crazy, dude. dude, you want to try and imagine his last 120 days? Like we're open. We're not open. Everything's shut down. Dude, those restaurants, like a nice big restaurant might pay 15 to $30,000 a month in rent. You think that's going away when they're closed? Yeah. It's scary, man. Where do you stand on the whole COVID thing? Uh, I think it's a very serious matter that the media has blown out of proportion okay. to a level of It's like, kind of in San Diego to actually recessed a lot, right? It's came a back. A lot a lot mellower here, yeah. you know, but I dude, like I'm not I'm not into politics. I don't care if you like Donald Trump or not. I yeah. don't care what side of the thing. It's just not my thing. It's a huge waste of energy if you ask mm-hmm. me to get all spun out about that. But this whole thing I feel has such deep political motivation and media motivation. Yes. Like you see some rational comparisons to it, you know, like um, what's his name for Mike Rowe from dirty jobs. Yes. Dude's a very smart guy. You kind of follow his take on it. He goes, he basically said like so many people died in a car accident. If the media told me every single day, how many people died in a you, car accident day after day, after day, after day, I wouldn't get into a fucking car. Right. 
right. wouldn't either. Right. You know what I mean? And you just got to, man, I don't know, at least for us in our household, we haven't watched the news in probably three months. I think that's a good thing. I haven't been as much. And in the beginning, everybody had well, to. Dickhead over to. here decided to go tongue kiss some girl down the street and uh, got sick. Oh. So I thought we were all fucking going to die COVID. <laughs> so I'm, I'm waiting. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to die. I'm, I'm a fat Mexican. This is the demographic <laughs> of people that are going to die. It's me. And then he just got like some, some kissing disease. We'll call it, what do they call it? Herpingina. What a fucking disease to be called. <laughs> wow. Wow. I am so glad I'm not your kid right now. <laughs> He's, know, just, he's very embarrassed. Just trying to chill out and play <laughs> Xbox, and he's getting blown up by his own dad. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's awesome. Don't get her pangina. Not going to come home with that again. <laughs> but oh, it's scary. Gosh. I mean, it was the, so scary in the beginning. At first. Yeah, yeah I mean, dude, everybody, you had to, yeah. right? Like, this is World War Three. It kind of reminded me of like the George Orwell War of the Worlds thing. Like, we right? didn't know what oh, was happening, yeah, dude. Yeah. That was pretty scary. I left to go to uh, no to Fiji at the end of January, and it was like. Yeah, a little bit of buzz, a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, oh, COVID, okay, we might want to keep your eye on that. And then we came home, like, second week of February. Oh, it's getting a little louder, right? Fred Hall, I felt fine about it. Don't shake hands. Use a hand sanitizer. Nobody that I know of at Fred Hall got sick, you know? And then right after Fred Hall, dude, it Dude, was, it blew up. It exploded. And I had, dude, I had probably two weeks where I probably talked to 10 advertisers, and dude. the story was the same. Hey, you know, we appreciate everything you do for us. You guys do a great job, blah, 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 blah. But we got to cut you off. And we understand we have a contract. Like all of my yeah. advertising is contracted for 12 months. And it's like, you got to let us out of the contract. What am I going to do? You know what I mean? It's like, am I going to get mad? Am I going to scream? Dude, we're all in the same boat together, you know? And, and we just, we're working with everybody. And I think it's funny because I talked to some of my friends who have like pro staff guys that they flip, you know, 500 bucks a month or a thousand some of those pro staff guys, when they were told they were going to have to cut them off, would just lose their mind and cuss at them. Like, freak out. If you did it, Why? You know, I mean, you, what would you... Dude, it's a global <laughs> effing pandemic. Do you... It, it, I mean, it was... And, and the way this one friend of mine, she made it sound like it was more than half the people just freaked out on her and lost their dude. mind. I'm like, these are the times when the word partnership really means something. You know, and we've got a lot of partners in this business that have helped us get to where we are and build a business. And dude... When things go bad and you've got a good partnership, you all got to bend a little bit. And I think what you said when we were talking previously, a little integrity, you got to have integrity. And dude, integrity is everything. Which you know goes I mean? a long way in the fishing, from what I've seen and the people I've talked to, it yep. goes a long way in the fishing industry. One of my favorite cheesy movie quotes, Scarface. <laughs> all I've got in this world is my word and my balls, and I'm not going to break them for anybody. There you go. And that's, dude, that is, I mean, that's integrity. That's old school thinking. And that's, I've tried to be that way with our business from day one. My partner, Jason feels the same mm -hmm. way. You know, it's like, we're not in this for the quick dollar or any of that. Cause that shit just doesn't last. Yeah. You know, we've always reinvested in our business. We've always been in it for the long haul. We've always tried to be good partners, you know, in our business of digital advertising, everybody lies. Everybody makes numbers up. I mean, you know what I mean? It's just, right? it's, it's part and we won't do it. Like if we have something that doesn't perform, we'll be the first one to tell you and we try to make it right. You and know? it's easy to search nowadays numbers somewhat. Some of them. Somewhat. Yeah. Some you can't them. track what another website's doing no. unless you have their Google analytics. So these guys could tell you that, you know, your, your ads being seen a billion times or we're turning this many pages or ever anything. And that's really where like it gets, it gets tough. But at the end of the day, the partnership attitude, the being professional, you know, time in the business and all that has just helped us, you know, kind of hold our position as the biggest, you know? Yeah. I mean, no one else really does what you guys do saltwater wise. There's no one there. We really don't. The only closest competitor we have is like, uh, what's it called? Uh, saltwater sportsman or sport fishing magazine. Yeah. And you know, like those guys, dude, as bad as we've had it with our partners, the magazines. Oh, I'm sure they're getting hit hard. Dude, I love magazines. Mm -hmm. It's funny to say because they're supposed to be my competitor. You know, I don't feel like we have any competitors. No. I love reading magazines. I love having a printed, you know, picture in my hand and all that. And watching these guys, Sport Fishing Magazine. I mean, the biggest magazine in the country. Folded. Yeah, you know, like wild. it's scary out there, dude. I'm so glad. And I think a lot of these guys now have a ton of money to spend the boating companies and all that. And I feel like a lot of them have realized, 
you know, people are stuck at home, mm-hmm. online advertising, more time online, da 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 da. So I think our future's bright. I think our industry yeah. future is really bright. You know, fishing yeah. tackles getting sold and all that. So fortunately for the hard goods side of the business, everybody's kicking ass. You know, and I'm thinking next year is going to be great. I really it should be. <laughs> it's dude. I'm telling you, as for as much doom and gloom as we've endured, yeah. like dude, since middle of March, I have gotten punched in the nuts for a living. I mean, like it's just been one thing after another. Employees being spun out because it's so stressful and try to keep everybody on track. And you know, for, yeah. Fortunately for me, we brought a guy in about a year ago, a friend of mine, to kind of run operations and do uh, do a lot of the day to day of the business. So. He's been managing a lot of that, keeping it positive and just pushing forward. But scary, unprecedented times. Nobody alive's ever seen this before. I mean, think no, about that. No, no, nothing this close. I, I mean, the closest thing wasn't even this close was uh, H1N1. Yeah, you know what? I think the closest thing, the only analogy that we can make, which isn't relevant to you and me because we're too yeah. young, World War II. Yeah. The whole country shut yeah. down. Shut down. Yeah. I mean, literally, you couldn't get tires for your car. Because they needed the rubber for the war effort, yeah. right? Women, Rosie the Riveter, all that stuff That's crazy. were called into factories yeah. to make bombs. I mean, the whole country stopped. Everybody was in fear. I mean, they thought the Japanese were going to roll up on our beaches. <laughs> yeah. There's still bunkers there today. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And it seems like a crazy thing. But I mean, honestly, like that's the closest thing. When I sat back, I'm like, what does this even compare to, right? Yeah. It's not like a stock market crash. No. Dude, everybody's terrified. I, like it's the the world has changed and it's yeah. you know it's changed permanently. Well, but, at least uh, at least well you guys got screwed on fishing for a little bit, right? They oh, closed. dude. I, I couldn't was believe so close. That. I was so so <laughs> I had a plan as funny with some buddies and when they wouldn't allow us to go fish and it was a, one local city councilman mm-hmm. who was being a dick, you know, fun police, right? What could be better for social distancing than going fishing? I mean, there's nothing, yeah, right? And now yeah. what we, with the things that we know, you could even have a dude on your boat, on your personal boat that has COVID, and the odds are unless he's spitting in your face, you're probably not going to get it because you're outdoors feet. in the yeah, wind, right? Feet, yeah. So, like, these guys were just, for no good reason, keeping our ports closed. And I got to a couple of guys, I'm like, how much do you think it costs to get our trucks and trailers towed? I'm like, it can't be more than a grand. You know, you go pick it up later in the day. I'm like... All right, well, if they don't open it this weekend, we'll just go take our trucks and our trailers and we'll block the five and walk away from them. (laughs) Yeah. You think that'll get you noticed? Yeah. And like literally, what can they do to you? Like you can't, I mean, oh, no, just I don't know what happened. It broke right here. Yeah. You know, tow it, charge me a grand or whatever. I can afford that, you know, just to kind of make our point. I mean, what they were doing here was just ridiculous, not letting us out. Thankfully, since we can fish and the fishing's good and all that, like for me personally, uh, like we talked about a little bit before we started recording, COVID ain't affected me anymore. Like, yeah. I'm just, I've been done with it after 30 days. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm going to die from it, so be it. I don't care. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to go do the stuff I enjoy. I don't go taking risks unnecessarily. I'm not going near any crowds. No, not, yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? I'm not in any hurry to go riding on a party boat, to be honest. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was my next plan is I was going to do a charter. And I'm kind of like right before this hit, I'm like, ah, no, I don't, I don't not, I don't want to do it now. Just, in, I don't want to be the person that caused someone to get it just in case. Agreed. And so you know? we're all being a little bit smarter. Yeah. We, you know, me personally, I only hang out with my very close family and exactly. friends and, you know, I'm not going into any, I don't know, dude, just like, just be a little smarter. That's it. Yeah. Has it affected, have you been filming for the, the local knowledge? So we had to film through this. It's funny. A lot of people don't realize when we do local knowledge, like the show you see in a lot of cases only shot like four or six weeks earlier okay. because the way the seasons line up, Russia's really good fishing season is like December, January, February. So we go ahead of the first few episodes are typically in Florida or stuff that we shot in the late fall in California. Okay. And then we moved to California in like May, June, July, August when our fishing starts oh, getting good. And, and the show's that. running. Like literally the show starts in April. So we're filming shows for this season. I mean, a month ahead of time. It's crazy how fast it comes together. But in order to capture both, you know, both coasts at their best time, that's what it takes. And we get it done. So we couldn't travel through this thing. You'll see one of the shows we did was like kind of fishing with your buddies. We did that last year and it was pretty well received. Mm-hmm. Rush took a buddy out on his side, kind of doing what they would do, screwing off this time of year. And I did the same thing with one of my buddies. And I think we did that. We did, uh, instead of doing one of those shows, we ended up doing two mm-hmm. because we couldn't travel and we weren't in any hurry to put anybody in harm's way. And then uh, later on, we needed another show and we came up with the idea of taking the kids. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, Rush has got a son. I think Cade's ten now. Yeah, he's a boss, dude. I really, mean, this kid, athlete, 
football, baseball, yeah. everything, and he loves the water. Oh, hell Lo- yeah, dude. He, dude, he's 10 years old. He already doesn't have a neck like his dad. I mean, the kid's a monster <laughs> and the sweetest kid you've ever hung yeah. out with. Just a good kid. So Rush took him fishing out on his coast, and then I've got a little four-year-old nephew that my brother, my brother's kid, and that dude owns me. I mean, I'm the, <laughs> dude, I'm T.O. Ollie, yeah. and the, uh, that kid, whatever he wants, he gets oh, no matter that's cool, what. Man. Yeah, I love him so much. I see him every single week. Yeah. I'm literally, I had a couple of great uncles growing up, and I'm following right in their footsteps. I mean, I'm with that kid all the time. Great. He loves fishing, huh? He is nuts. <laughs> nuts, dude. You take him to like Point Loma Seafoods or something where yeah. there's fish mounts on the wall, he knows Every single fish. Oh, that's fucking awesome. Every fish. He is just, he's geeked out on it. Yeah. So, so cool. That kid is going to have fun and experience shit. (laughs) Dude, when I didn't, my first trip on the ocean was like in a 16 foot glass bar. Yeah. My man's rolling around in a 34 (laughs) CV. I mean, like he's got it so good. Yeah. But I'm so stoked because he's a great kid. Great. And so you had those two episodes you did. Have you filmed another one? Did we you ha- catch back up and do your regular so we, And then after those ones, which kind of did during the main panic of everything, then I went back there and we did a deep drop show, okay. which we, which just aired last week, which did really well as well. So and let's then, talk about that because shoot. you've done, you have you caught them here? So this was deep drop in Florida. It's different. Deep drop doesn't mean swordfish. Deep drop, deep drop means mean? either swordfish you could be fishing for, uh-huh. or they have a ton of badass fish that live from like 500 to 1200 feet. Yeah. So like we in this on this show, we were deep dropping. Um, Rush had found some structure a while ago in the middle of nowhere that nobody a number nobody had because it was just covered in fish over there. They're very structure specific. Like Mm -hmm. if you find a rock in the middle of nowhere, it holds fish like crazy. And that's your rock. So if you're Rush, you've been doing this for 30 years, running every piece of dirt in the in Florida Keys, you know, lower keys. You have a lot of numbers. And that is your, I mean, that's your Bible, right? That's what you live off if you're him. You don't share them. Now, in the last eight or 10 years, people can pick you off with radar. So I can be running past Rush two miles away, right? Look into my binos, see him anchored up on a spot that I don't didn't know there was a spot there. I turn on my radar, I hit the target of that Rush's boat, and I save it. So you just lost that spot. Fuck. And that's here too, right? No, or we're not so bottom specific here. Here we fish bottom areas uh-huh. more so. But these bank. are like very specific. Like these are spots the size of a TV set to oh, a pickup shit. truck, and there's holding fish, and they're loaded. The the keys is basically like How do you sandstone. Get away from that? Flats. There's no way to get away from. There's that, no right? way, dude. It's happened to us so many times. It's happened so in the Bahamas, fuck, and now imagine the next day you're running past that spot, going to your other spot, and you see the guy in the same boat who picked you off going past you. How pissed would that make you? Dude, that's, that's, yeah. And there's nothing you could do about it, right? No, I mean, what are you going to do? Tell the guy to fuck off? I there's mean, nothing you can do about it, except get really pissed. Brute Rush has got a really good story about, uh, he was doing another guy's TV show, a guy we all know and have heard of a few years back. <laughs> and he's on one of his good spots, way out in the middle of nowhere. Rush yeah. has got a whole bevy of these spots that are like just too far for the average guy to run to, you know? Uh-huh. And a friend of the TV show host pulls up next to him and starts talking to him or whatever. And Rush is like, dude, I don't want this guy near. Like, he's going to steal him. He's going to see his meter. What's going on? Yeah. And, and of course, the host like, oh, Rush, don't worry about a thing. It's fine. He won't be there. Blah, 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 blah. So the next day, they're running out to film. And guess where that dude's at? <sighs> right on his spot. And Rush is a very mellow dude. He's a giant teddy bear. Yeah. I believe he specifically requested to be put on the other individual's boat to have a close chat with them. Fuck. He I was bet. So man. hot. So hot. And of course he didn't do anything. Rush is yeah. too easy going. But dude, imagine that. Like that's, 30 years of that's, labor. That's and somebody with a, a modern radar that's tied to a chart plotter can just steal every one of your spots. That's horrible. Yeah. The only <laughs> spots that we have that we get crazy about here is like lobster spots. Yes. Can be very specific. Oh, yeah. I've seen people lose. Lose it. your mind. And some rock fishing spots. And some yeah. rock. But honestly, like guys that think they've got badass rock fishing spots. Someone's been there. Someone's been yeah. there. And you need to have a hundred of them because they do move around. When we were kids, they told us that rockfish sat on a rock and mm-hmm. never moved. I can tell you a thousand percent certainty they move like dude when it's winter and the weather's nice we'll cod fish you know a couple three yeah, days a week yeah i will murder them on one spot same condition same current same everything and they're gone yeah the next day or three days later or whatever you know that's important to remember man rock fish they're not sitting on a rock they are moving constantly when you uh when you did your your uh, swordfish did you catch one here and in, in the uh, east coast so we didn't on the show we caught a giant on the east coast i think in the first season 
like 489 pounds is, a, I think it's still a record for the lower really? keys. Yeah. Wow. On, on, and I hand cranked that thing for six and a half hours. Fuck. Thing was a demon. No Diowa electric reels. No. <laughs> well, we were using a hooker electric. Okay. But it had the detachable motor on the side. So it detaches. It just turns into a 50 wide. Okay. You know, we wanted to try doing it stand up. Never again. No, <laughs> dude. No Not desire. I've never fought. Prior to that, the, the longest I ever fought a fish was three and a half hours. Wow. And that was because of a broken reel. Yeah. You know, and prior to that, hour and a half. I've just, I've caught tons of big tunas and marlin, maybe two hours on a real stubborn fish, mm-hmm. six and a half hours. And it was, you know, hot and humid it's been here lately. Yeah. Put about another 10 degrees on that and 10% yeah, humidity dude. out in that Florida sun. Yeah. Dude, I thought I was going to die. Rush thought I was going to die. <laughs> I mean, it was so bad, man. My shirt was instantly soaked, and that I fish bet. was just a demon. It did not want to die. Is so, the is the tactics a little different there than it is here? That's what's so funny, man. You know, so I've been trying to catch a swordfish here locally f- for, shoot, 12 years, and I've kind of been putting my exploits up on BD, what we've learned and all that stuff. And the one analogy that I've – so my artist is in Florida, and he lives in central Florida around uh, Port Canaveral, Cocoa Beach, mm-hmm. right? Back in the day, and he's a fishing history geek like I am. Back in the day, if you wanted to catch a swordfish and you lived in Florida, you had to go to Miami, and you had to do it at night. That was the only way to catch one. Really? Yeah. And so then, right, people in other places are like, hey, I'm going to take what I'd learned in Miami. And so they came up their way, and they found an area with similar conditions, and they started fishing them. And lo and behold, they start catching swordfish, (laughs) you know, 300 miles away up the coast, maybe 250 miles away. And they kind of dialed that in. It was a little bit different depth, I believe. And they changed the technique, the technique just a little bit. And they started catching them. And I'm like, ever, ever since he kind of told me that story, I'm like, I know there's swordfish here. We have bigger swordfish than they have. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we have more or less, but you don't get 300 pound swordfish that don't like to eat. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a big fish. He's eating a lot. So it was like, they've got to be eaten somewhere. What are we doing? And so we took what we learned in Florida and in Florida, it's a little bit different. In Florida, the fish feed on like shrimp, like we, they get those pumpkin swords. I don't know if you've ever seen that. No, I haven't. So they'll get swordfish that they cut open and the mm. meat is orange. Oh, really? Orange is a pumpkin. Just it's from a crazy because they're eating uh, Key West Royal Red wow. shrimp way down deep and yeah. it colors the meat. Wow. Our fish here, from what we know, are more in the deep scattering layer and they're eating little shrimp, little squid, a hake and a bunch of fish that lives at a different depth. Mm -hmm. Well, we took what Florida was doing. They're very oriented to the bottom. So they drop in about 2000 feet of water, just what we're doing. And then they come up a hundred feet and then they work up, you know, like 500 feet. And then they work back down about every 10 minutes, you raise the bait up a hundred, lower it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And everybody's got their own style. But basically if you're in 2000 feet of water, that puts you fishing from 1900, you know, you hit the bottom, you come up quick because you don't want to rock fish to eat your Mm -hmm. bait. Um, you come up quick and now you're fishing at 1900 feet, say, and you're going to go as as shallow as 1500 feet. If you go up 500 and go back down. Well, what the scientists showed us, Chugi and the guys that started the deep drop program with the peer Institute is they tag swordfish and these tags were photosensitive and they could also tell the depth that the fish was at. Oh, that's nice. So they learned that these swordfish in our waters, they went around just like the guys that harpoon them, you know, to the, the Chula and and the Pilikia and those Mm -hmm. guys, except they put tags in them instead of a harpoon. So they tagged these fish and they learned very quickly that they spend the bulk of their time, like I think it's 90% of their time during the day at a depth of 800 to 1200 feet. Wow. So, so there, there's your answer, right? We there. were fishing, we were <laughs> fishing underneath them and we got bites. I got, yeah. I, we had several bites. We had the booby trap guys come out from Texas uh-huh. and they're kind of the Kings of swordfish and they've caught more swordfish than anybody. They get doubles, triples going wow. all the time. It's bonkers what these yeah. guys have unlocked over there. And they came out fishing with us. We hooked one and we fought it for 14 hours. And everybody's like, oh, it's a shark. Oh, you didn't see it. I'm like, <laughs> dude, there is no other fish in the sea that can pull for that long. Yeah. There's just not. I mean, we, you know, we kill those big bluefin and PEI. Yeah. Get granted at shallow water in an hour and a half. Wow. Just nothing has the yeah. stamina that a swordfish does. If anybody ever asks you is curious who the king of the ocean is. <laughs> swordfish. It's a swordfish. Really? Man. He's the king. He absolutely is. There's other fish that I've seen that are just like dog tooth tuna. Yeah. That is the baddest MFR with fins. I mean, it is Where like, do you catch those at? But they can't, they don't, you catch those like in the, in the tropical Pacific. Okay. Like I caught them in Australia. Okay. We caught them in Fiji, that, that, those kind of places, Australia, New Zealand, yeah. Indonesia, a lot of that stuff. And that's, it's actually a mackerel. It's not a tuna. Oh, wow. I have never seen any other fish that hits like that thing 
and it takes line off of a reel. It takes line off of a reel faster How than big a big blue get? marlin, 200 something pounds. Oh my God. 250 pounds. How do they taste? They're actually really good. Really? I'd always heard they weren't good to eat. They're right. one of those fish you got to eat them fresh. Yeah. But I mean, it is, it, I just, there's nothing that strikes so hard. We're putting 40 pounds of drag on those things because you got to drag them off the edge of the reef so they mm-hmm. don't break you off. We pump it up to 60 pounds and the fish accelerates. Have you ever felt 60 pounds of drag? You can't, no. <laughs> you can't hardly hold on to the rod. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's crazy, but he's no swordfish. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's a sprinter. He's mean as shit. And a swordfish will just dog Keep going, and yeah. dog. And they'll sit there on that thermocline and dog you. I've only, I've got one fish here, just got unlucky when, and I was actually doing a lot of hunting when they were really biting okay. last year, but you Did know, you get that last year? Last year, okay. yeah, me and a buddy. We changed our depth, basically. We went out there, and two hours later, we had a swordfish first trip. Wow. Just like that. And then I went 10 more trips and had, like, two bites. <laughs> so it'll humble you for They're sure. Real fin- the bite's real weird, right? The that bite is weird. nothing like what you would expect. Yeah. There, so there's three kinds of bites you get with them. Okay. One of them, the rod tip just goes limp. Because he's ate the bait, you didn't know he ate it, and he's swimming up with the weight. As soon as they feel the pressure of that weight, they want to go to the surface mm-hmm. most of the time. That's one bite. The, the other bite is the trout bite. Anything, when you're rolling in a boat, you know, you see the rod tip's yeah. got a rhythm to it. Anything out of that rhythm is a bite. I think I've seen uh, Bill DePriest put up a video. Of, Did he of, show yeah, it? Yeah, and it kind of shows the bite. nothing. I mean, it's just yeah, like exactly. nothing. And so that's what you fish with the other guy who I have is like the king of sword fishing. He's Nick Stanzik in the okay. Florida Keys. Everybody follows him on Instagram. He's got a huge following. Mm-hmm. He will make you sit there and stare. If you're not staring at the rod, you're not fishing. That's what he says. I'm not 100% sure I agree with that but I don't have any basis. I mean, I've caught nothing compared to him. There's also out here, there's a few guys like Dwayne is one of them. that's telling Mm -hmm. me like, dude, we don't even look. He goes, we get bit. He's like, I tell my guys to turn around (laughs) and then come back like a minute later. He's like, well, look, look at a minute later. If the rods bent over, you caught a swordfish. If it's not bent over, there was no bite or you missed it or whatever. You know what I mean? So the thing that we've been doing, which the booby trap guys dialed me into and rush does the same technique over theirs. The first time you get that whack, oh, let me the, the third the third type of bite is just the rod doubles over, okay. and that's the least common. Yeah, the most common is the trout bite, just getting pecked out. Is, of it, order. is that bite least common here, or just in general? anywhere? Okay. They just aren't real. Okay, for as badass of a fish as they are, they're not really good at eating. Like okay. they're very clumsy. You yeah. know, they operate in a dark world where they just swim up with the like I we said it on the show. It's like a taco bar, right? Mm-hmm. He's just swimming around his mouth up, biting <laughs> biting little carne asada tacos, yeah. and then. When you get some a bait that's moving, like when guys bait them on the surface, they can't catch a mackerel. It's a, like you have to wound the mackerel so they can catch it yeah. when you cast on them. Yeah. So the most common bite is going to be the peck, just something out of order. And then when that happens, what we've been doing, and not saying that we're doing it right, again, I'm, I'm no expert, but I've done a, done a lot of it, is we take the bait away from them. So we rip that bait like 50 or 100 feet away. And 100 feet seems like a lot, but when you figure all the belly in the line and everything, it's probably only pulling it away from them, like 30 or 40 feet. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what's going on down at that depth? Pull it away. If they whack it again, this was the big tip that the booby trap guys learned to really increase their hookups. Put the reel in free spool, put your hand on the spool, and just let it fall slow. And what that is, they see a squid, they come up, they whack it, try to kill it, Right. Now, oh, they missed it. That gets them wound up. They don't like that thing getting away from yeah. them, and they'll come back more aggressive. He hits it again. You slowly let it trickle. He's like, oh, I killed it. Now I'm just going to eat it and not whack it again. Okay. They'll come back around, put it in their mouth, and then as soon as you see that thing you know, start to load, just get tight. That's the yeah. biggest thing is get that thing tight and stay tight. Wow. Yeah. Have you tried to drop that can? I seen on... Um- I think on uh, Instagram, mm-hmm. they had that enclosure with the Yeah, GoPro. we did that on that last show. Is, is so that on, the one? On okay. the deep drop show that we just did, yeah, yeah. we um, we went to that spot that Rush had that, uh-huh. that nobody had because there was so much life on it, and we dropped the camera. Yeah. And we had like, we do, we had 20-pound groupers trying to eat the sinker. Shit. It was sick. I mean, and like, well, I was literally talking, I was texting the hooker electric guy when I was driving here to, to meet up with you, and he was talking to me about the camera. Yeah. And I go, I think the deal is, is like, since you were a kid, right? Once you get past 30 feet, you don't know what the bottom looks like. No. And in California, nobody dives compared to Florida. Like, yeah. you know, in Florida, a lot of people dive here. No, we don't know what it looks like. So yeah. it's like just getting to see what the bottom looks like and seeing those fish and seeing them eat the weight. 
The thing we didn't do was get a bite on tape because we were afraid they'd eat the camera or we'd lose the camera. <laughs> you know, right. have a big old 60 pound grouper come up and rock you up with your camera. Oh, that would suck. <laughs> and you're not getting the videos on the SD card. So it'd be different if you had like a line. Exactly. You know, no, you're like, going to lose that. It's all or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> right. I could just see like they've got those Goliath groupers there. Yeah. You know, they're not that deep, but just having some big grouper come up, swallow your camera and take yeah. it down. Oh, dude, you'd be so pissed. <laughs> How many? Uh, so, how many episodes do you, are you doing this season? We would normally do twelve. Uh-huh. This season, we're going to do eleven. Okay, um, and then we're going to do a bunch of extra web content. Okay, so we got preempted by Shark Week, and it just and with the COVID thing and all that, it was just dude, we couldn't. We we <laughs> it, it, it jammed up our schedule so bad. Yeah. So we'll we'll do eleven this year. We'll go right back to twelve next year, and you know, hopefully, get everything back on track and somewhat back to normal. In a- I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market a normal world <laughs> do you have a different plan for next year of uh filming or same thing pretty much no uh, like, any new ideas our formula is pretty straightforward okay. we get 12 shows a year uh-huh we try to do two or three in florida we do two or three in california so there's five or six of them yeah we do one rad travel show where it's a couple episodes or three we did fiji i think we did three episodes in fiji this year mm-hmm. and then you know a couple of other trips like might go to baja for for a show or two or we want to get back to Casa Vieja down in Guatemala. That's a lot of fun. We want to go fish the fads in Costa Rica. We want to get back to them. I mean, we got a ton of stuff we want to do. That's the bummer. It's like everybody wants you to come. Yeah. Like I got friends in every fishery, Northeast, whatever. <laughs> and everybody wants you to come to their place. It's just not possible to do it all. Yeah. You know, this yeah. year we were going to tow the CV up to the Pacific Northwest and catch Albacore with all those guys. We got a ton of fans up there from BD and all that. And with COVID, yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, no one. <laughs> it's just no way. Yeah, you you're gonna, that's that's sketchy. So, <laughs> yeah, no, and that's and that's been our basic formula. We just try to find like one badass, unique destination a year. Yeah. And that's kind of where you, you know, you can kind of hang your hat. And, and then the rest is sort of fill in with the cool opportunities that pop up. Yeah. Do you think you want to produce more shows like that? Um. No. no, TV's hard, man. You don't Fishing like it. TV, I I love it. <laughs> I'm so passionate about it. I love the people. I love getting to travel. The only reason I ask is because I feel like you guys do it right. I mean, I watch so many fishing shows, and I'm kind of like, okay, if you're gonna do it, don't use a fucking phone, and maybe more than a GoPro. Oh, totally. A lot of the time, to me, totally. Okay, uh, more power to you if you get it done, and people pay for awesome, dude. But I just am like. If I'm going to do something, I want to be the best quality. And I feel like you guys Agreed. do a fucking very good Thank job you. of that. Thanks. Yeah, no production quality, dude. I don't want to do anything. Like, it makes me wonder. We talk about it a lot at work. like, who gets out of bed every morning and wants to make something shitty? Like, someone, really? Someone does. A lot of people do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, for us, fortunately, we're in a position where the TV show was just kind of like a passion project and a cool extension of the brand and all that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Hey, if you love it and you work hard enough at it, you turn around, like, all of a sudden, you're making some money with it. Yeah. You know? So it's like become more than a passion project. And that really justifies the time away from home. And, you know, that's the one thing that TV shows just turn my life upside down. You're gone for another five, six trips yeah. out of the year. You yeah. Know? That's a lot. And when so, you first were doing it, did you plan on putting it on Discovery or did you kind of just do it as a labor of love? No, we first started doing it. We actually couldn't afford Discovery. We were going to be on Outdoor Channel. Okay. And I don't know if we talked about this last time, but Outdoor Channel basically has a different model where they don't want you to put your stuff online. Like they feel like it dilutes. Yeah. People are going to watch it on the network. So they had told us, okay, look, you, we'll, we'll run the show on our network, which we pay for the airtime. We're paying you with our content. And they were basically had said like, okay, well, you can't show the shows that appear on our network for a month after they run on TV. So you're to get this correct, you're paying Outdoor Network to be on their channel yep. and they don't want you to air, use your content you made and you pay for, for another month. Correct. 
So that's kind of we're, we're like we could live with that. You yeah, know, it's only okay. a month, okay. Yeah. And then we're negotiating. We're trying to get a contract done for the airtime. They come out. They go, okay, it's going to be three months. You know, we're like, that's too long, man. That's a long time. But you know, we're and we were. This is like at the deadline. We're at the buzzer to start put, getting shows done. And we're like, and this is our first season. You know, we don't know very much. Not that we know anything now. Yeah. But uh, but how many seasons deep are you now? We just finished five. Okay. So yeah, like that's, uh, that's like a, a dude yeah. overnight that happened. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. So we kind of we go okay. Well, we can live with that. And they come back. They go, sorry, it's going to be six months. And we're like, dude, no, we're like, no, we can't deal with that. And then finally we're like, where are we going to go? Yeah, right. Yeah. We got to deal with it. So we'll just deal with it and we'll figure it out. Contract shows up and it, it turns out they wanted it to be, I, I want to say it was like nine months from the last episode of that season playing, which it takes six months for the season to play. Yes. Plus nine more months on that, like a year and a half later. And That's, we're like, we can't, Yeah. Well, we can't do this. And so we're freaking out. We talked to a guy that already had a show and he was on Destination America, which is like Discovery Channel 2. It's got it's got about twice the distribution. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it before. It's a good channel, you know. And so we're like, man, we can't afford that channel. It's twice the size of Outdoor Channel. And yeah. our buddy has a show. He's like, let me talk to my guy. There's guys that basically broker the ad time. You know, mm -hmm. they buy big blocks and they part partition up and sell it to guys like me. And the guy's like, dude, I just had a show cancel last minute. They already put their deposit down. Um, they're just going to go, uh, we're going to give you their spot basically and going to give you a smoking deal. Oh, cool. So they made us a deal we couldn't refuse, but the only catch was instead of airing in Q2, we had to be ready on January 1st instead of April 1st. And we had one show done when we signed the contract. And what year, what month was that? This was in December that we signed, early December. <laughs> so you're fishing the So whole... our first show had to be delivered in like three weeks. And so what we all did was basically push pause button on life. Mm -hmm. And we filmed a whole season of TV shows in like three months. Fuck. Oh, dude, I'd never do it again. And in there, we, I mean, it was our first season. Yeah. Didn't really know, you know, what we were doing production wise. We were learning on the job, flying all over the place. We had a uh, we had to get two episodes done out here. The fishing was just, and we we're trying to film fishing in California in right. March. <laughs> yeah. Not good. Yeah. Not, I mean, like I can catch you one yellowtail yeah. in March. I can't yeah. catch you twenty of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it was tough. <laughs> and so, like the first season, Rush carried us in the Keys because their yeah. fishing was good. And then we had a deal where we had to come out here and film two. Fishing was horrible. And dude, we all got the HIV. I mean, like that flu that you get every ten years. Yep knocked us all on our asses. Shit. So we're filming sick as dogs. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, we could not get a show done here. The fishing yeah. was just so bad. We all had to fly back cross country together. Literally like went from filming to jumping on a plane, then filming again in the keys and somehow pulled it off and got it done. Fuck. Oh dude, it was, it was the worst. I would never go through all of that again. It was so stressful. But so the learning tired. experience. And you the, can't, yeah, dude, I mean, you, can't have, like... you know, you can't replace it, but like looking <laughs> back now you have the experience like, yeah, I'm not into doing that again. Yeah. It was insane. Yeah, insane. but I think it's so cool that you guys got it done. And, and I, I think even being on Discovery, even though you pay for your time slot and that's kind of how it works, it's cool to see someone do something like that. You know, like, and with that production, like I would have thought if I watched that, I would have thought, oh, Discovery made this like Wicked Tuna or some shit like that, you know? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I mean, we're producing stuff at the same level they are. And, you know, the equipment barrier back in the day, like, so a lot of my crew did Spanish Fly with Jose Wahebe. Oh, Everybody yeah, I think that you show. talked about that on yeah, the Yeah, he last... was around for 20 years. And he, yeah. Jose's big thing was production quality. Yes. He did it at a super high level. You know, when Jose passed away, his show kind of went away. And then we, we kind of picked up the pieces. A bunch of Jose's friends, we all mm -hmm. got together and put together our own show. And, uh, you know, back then to buy a camera was dude, 75 G's, yeah, right. 80 G's, a hundred yeah. G's. Like the cost of entry was so high. Well, now we're using these cameras that have evolved. It's basically an, an SLR camera, yeah. you know, like a high end photo camera. They started doing video. So our first season, we shot the whole show with SLRs. Yeah. Like literally running around with, with still cameras. Yeah. And we, and it gives you that big cinematic look and you're using these high-end lenses that yeah. give you the effect, you know? Yeah. And then those have now morphed into, that's how TV shows are shot. Yeah. They're shot with a camera that was born as a DSLR and has migrated and they cost like, we just bought a new one. It's 5,500 bucks. It's nice. 4K. Yeah. Discovery channel level stuff. I mean, <laughs> you got to have lenses and audio and all the other stuff, but you can out a whole camera get for there, yeah. 10 grand. But I think it's like anything else nowadays. It's like, uh, as technology moves, like I'm here doing this fucking podcast. It sounds just as good as a radio. It's crazy. You know, it's like, yeah, as long totally. as you know how to use it, totally. it's going to fucking sound. Yeah. If you can use the stuff, good. right. And if you're using the high end exactly. stuff, it shows up, you exactly. know, and then with some of the stuff that we did to differentiate ourselves, like when we started talking about doing a show, the first thing I said is we have to have a good underwater footage. 
right? That's and I think, another big, big. Do you guys got the case in on the camera? Oh, dude. Yeah. So most oh, guys will shoot a little, you know, like an SL, a DSLR camera in a little like Icolite yeah. housing that's like this. We shoot a red camera in an underwater housing. If you don't know what a red camera is, that's what they film Narcos with. Yeah. That's what they film all the major movies with. It's this high end camera, ironically designed and built by Oakley. Really? Oakley sunglasses. Wow. So it's this project. I don't know how the hell they got off on it, but they built this whole brand and it's really ultra Oakley cool, you know, with all the rivets and (laughs) the thing looks sexy as hell. Yeah. But it can shoot at a higher frame rate than any other camera out there, save for some really high, you know, giant cameras that do cinema stuff. Mm -hmm. So we're actually able to shoot that underwater footage with, I mean, we're shooting in 8K, not 4K, which is huge. You know, that's four times the pixels yeah. that we have. And that allows us, we grab stills. Like a lot of the underwater stuff that you see on yes. our Instagram or whatever, that's all shot with a video camera. Dude, it looks amazing. Like we call it pulling a still. And the guys will go in there and they'll pull oh, one, that's, one picture out of that. And that also makes it so much easier just to, for bloody decks to for, go. To market it, to have <laughs> all like, this You're like, oh, content. I got a couple pictures I can just use. Totally. And that's where like we've, in with BD, we've kind of reinvented our, our advertising program. We're, we're coming out. Like, dude, we were in like a rebirth before this whole COVID thing hit. And honestly, hasn't slowed us down a bunch. Yeah. And we have, so we need marketing material, right? And and you need media kits. Like we were talking about you doing yeah. a media kit. Well, now I've got five seasons of 12 episodes of sick photography. <laughs> I mean, dude, you want Marlon and Mag Bay from a drone overhead with sea lions chasing yeah. the bait ball? Got it. You know, Shit. you want... A badass giant swordfish laid out next to the boat. We got it. You want tunas underwater? We, you know what I mean, like. Which is like it's so. What you're building is pretty much like a little empire of like, you have this. The yeah, and people don't think of that. Like when you know, like what you're thinking, like I got this little bit of footage I shot, I own. I could use that to do anything. And if you said, "Oh, I need a uh, ad campaign. Someone needs one for a company." Got you. Yep. Oh, it's all going to be on Swordfish. And gotcha. so that's how we sell advertising spo- or TV show sponsorships. I'm yes. not just selling you a show. So when, when you sell the TV show sponsorship, do you say, we make your commercial? Most of the commercials on the show, yeah, we've produced. That's fucking cool, man. You know, the bigger brands will have their own. Like Evan Rude has a yeah. whole schedule that they use. But no, we produce commercials for some of the biggest names yeah. in the business. But a big part of what we sell on is like, we're not just a TV show sponsorship. We're not a bass guy. You're not going to put your logo on our shirt. We're going to use your product in the right locations, doing the right stuff with guys that are credible and know what they're doing. And ultimately, like brands like Yeti and Costa, they Mm -hmm. don't want you to talk about their product. They just want to see your Yeti cup in the rod, (laughs) you know, in the rod holder while you're fighting a big tuna, or they want to see you wearing Costa sunglasses. They don't want that over the top marketing. Those days are gone. Like the NASCAR marketing of, you know, I just won this NASCAR race type stuff because of Mr. Goodbar. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, dude, what the hell does your fuel additive have to do with you winning an ad? Like, that's not the way to do things anymore. These guys want legitimate product placement in, you know, in, uh, in legitimate circumstances with the right people using this stuff. And then as a, as an extension of that, we're taking all these pictures and shooting all this video. We make that all available to our sponsors Mm because they need something to talk about on social media every day. Right. So it's a value proposition where we're collecting these assets and, sharing them and so far the recipe has worked awesome for us what makes you not want to move over to freshwater i mean you're doing so great with that part of the production like it'd be cool to see that move over like i've seen a little bit pieces here and there of dudes that do it like there's this guy that uh works with uh this guy uh, big Bit bailey it's named i think johnny trying to go places and he does these little videos they're fucking awesome Mm kind of like what you guys do why wouldn't you go refresh? I mean, that'd be really We totally cool. could. I mean, yeah. to be honest with you, we did a bass show on, uh, was it Okeechobee? Uh-huh. I think it was Okeechobee, one of the big bass lakes in Central Florida, and we fished for three days. We didn't catch a bass. That's the problem. So- You think that's the problem with-, with I, We doing- just, well, dude, there was going to be a bass show this year. We inv- That's the first time in any <laughs> show ever we've struck out where really? we've gone on a shoot and didn't come home with at least some kind of a show. Yeah. yeah, just we couldn't catch one. And we totally wanted to do it. We had the right guy. You know, the guy's a bass pro and all that. Yeah. Didn't happen. So I'm not saying you won't see us do some of that stuff in the future for yeah. sure. I'm not a Dude, I grew up in the Sierras catching trout. Rush has never seen any of that stuff. <laughs> you know, that stuff will blow his mind, yeah. I think. So that might be something that we do. We get a lot of it. But I mean, honestly, our passion is lies salt. in salt. Yeah. And, yeah. and for me and Rush, I tell friends this all the time. Like, if it was up to us, all we would fish for is tuna, swordfish, and groupers. <laughs> Not those Tuna calico, sor- those calico kooks, huh? Do, well, Moyer and those guys. <laughs> Come on, boy. You spent time with them. No, it's, that's just not our thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we get fired up to catch, and we got to go do some different stuff and all that. But 
him and I both, man, tuna, swordfish, groupers. That's all. Yeah. That's all we want to fish for. Yeah. You know. Which is fucking really cool too. Like, I mean, the show is amazing. It, I, I it's do, just sick that we can be picky. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the last show we did of this season, he took me to do my favorite thing and we've done it a bunch on the show, but it's just go bottom fishing in the Florida Keys. Yeah. All those snappers and groupers and all that, dude, I go, you got to tear me out of there when the day is over. I'll keep catching them until the boat's full. Like yeah. I love doing it. So it's cool. You know, sometimes we do some stuff that we're less excited about yeah but we always find a way to have fun you know and, and make it a good time and that's i think we want to show more california fisheries like one of the things we plan to do this year is go to ventura and fish sea bass at the at the channel islands yeah that's june guess what's happening in june everybody was terrified you know what i <laughs> yeah. mean it's just it didn't didn't play out so there's still a lot here locally yeah that we could you know keep doing and one of my goals is like every time we do a west coast shoot we're gonna put in one day of sword fishing because sooner or later we're gonna get one on film and i nobody's done that yet oh a show catching a west coast swordfish yeah it's just so expensive to film like everybody gets paid real money on a shoot to go sit there for three days and not catch one and i made i freaking made that mistake we did a tuna shoot out here and i got it done in one day and i'm like okay we're gonna film sword fishing for the next three days and we didn't even get a bite oh fuck, and it was man. the time everybody yeah. was getting them yeah just dude that that deep drop fishery is once you get the, the basics of it down, you're waiting to get your ticket picked. You yeah. know what I mean? You're just sitting there by the bingo machine waiting for the lady Cat to fishing, pull, right? pull no, your I'm ball. Just... <laughs> and don't, to, dude, we call it long nose purple cod fishing. There you go. <laughs> like doing it in the Keys, man, you've got the Gulf Stream and all these currents mm-hmm. and all this stuff here. It's like, it's easy. Really? So can you get a bait down 800 to 1,000 feet without tangling it? That's, that's all goal, you really right? have to be able to do. You know what I mean? And like... That's it. And you're, yeah. you're in the game. So it's cool. I dig that, you know, the, the developing fishery and all that, and I, man, I want to see more guys doing it we, right now. We're all drifting and praying. Mm-hmm. We heard somebody got a fish somewhere. Okay. They got to be there. We knew they were there last year going out there, drifting and praying. Yeah. There's so much to learn. And that's, what's so exciting, right? Like figuring out your electronics better. Like my, I'm, I'm building a new CV for next year. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Um, so the biggest thing with that new boat is, is I want this giant transducer in it. That's going to fry swordfish, <laughs> right? I got a thousand Watts of low chirp right now. I'm going to 3000. I mean, dude, that is gnarly and it's yeah. a big transducer. But my goal is, is to be able to pick a swordfish out and put a bait on them. And the guys in Texas, those booby trap guys, they do that. They have the big transducer. They have a big transducer in their Viking. They roll up. They'll find a fish or find two fish. They'll drop a bait down. If you go on on YouTube and look up booby trap fishing. Yeah, definitely. Send a bait down. They get bit immediately. They send another bait down. Hang a double. The camera never edits. No break, right? Send a third bait down, and they triple up. They, Those they guys, got it locked down. That's how it. That's how yeah. it dialed, and they get big ones over there too. Yeah. You know, they're they've got plenty of three, four, five hundred pound fish. So I would love to just you know over the rest of my whatever many years I got left, man. Every year, collect a little bit of knowledge, collect a little. And What's the uh, biggest West Coast? Woody, that's been caught rod and reel. I don't even know. I really? mean, like, yeah, our buddy Serge got one last I just week. Saw that. that was four forty. That's a giant. Yeah, dude. that is a exceptional fish. Yeah, you know, and that's I think the biggest one that I know of rod and reel. Yeah. Uh, you know what? My buddy Jeff on Cowboy, he got a big one in that same range last okay. year too. And the way he took the first picture and sent it to me, I'm like, oh, that's nine hundred pounds. <laughs> I swear to God, it was like the biggest. I'm like, Holy oh shit. man. But I think it was like four fifty. Yeah, and that was down off of Mexico. Fuck, so. We have so much to learn with these things. It's and it's so exciting. Which like, is interesting because I like hearing from each guy. I've heard from Hayward, mm-hmm. Wes, I've heard from you, mm-hmm. Jay, Bill. Like so it's hearing a little different nuances of each guy. Yeah. Kind of telling us what he thinks or how he goes about it, you know. And then you see a lot of guys. Um I have a dude that lives by me. Uh his name's Big Sandy Balls on Instagram. And uh-huh. he just caught a nice one, him and uh, Ron Hester. And I'm like, oh, he gave me some meat because he lived right around the corner. I'm like, thanks, bro. But it's cool seeing people kind of figuring it out. It's a new, it, you dude, know? it's, I mean, if you look at the last five years, and I I kind of follow fishing on a bigger scale than most guys. Like, most guys only follow fishing in their backyard, right? Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it like on a global scale. Like, yeah. I got friends everywhere. I fished a lot of places. You could argue Southern California has the best fishing in the world really? for the last five years. I mean, it's just been, dude, this, the bluefin, the, the El Nino. Do you think that I, by you following all that fishing uh, everywhere and maybe even doing it, do you think it like actually uh, tuned you, fine tuned you better as a fisherman, as an angler? Oh, dude, no yeah. question. No, dude. There's I think, shit you're thinking out of the box when you go fishing with dudes. And we like, were fishing mm-hmm. kites for small bluefin here 10 or 12 years ago. And people on the radio be rolling by like, hey, Ben Franklin, how's it going <laughs> over there? 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And meanwhile, me and my buddies are sitting there on my world cat. This is, I mean, 12 years ago or whatever, when people be like, oh, it's bluefin being bluefin and they won't eat. Hey, guess what? Shut your motors down, get a bait way off the side of your boat. And See, then, what, what made you, what made you Port learn that? Fishing in Mexico. They were flying them. We've, we've fished double trouble rigs in Mexico all the time. Really? Dude, literally yeah. these guys would drive by laughing at us on the radio. We're sitting there grilling sausages and drinking beers and we've got that thing out and we've got long baits on the other side of the boat and we just sit there and pick away at them. And come back to the dock with a limit of nice, you know, Shit. 40 to 60 pound bluefin, yeah. which shoot back in the day, those were giants. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then it's just like what we have, what we are experiencing right now in our waters is it's, you're never going to see fishing like this again. Like, what are we supposed to do when this is over? You know, I'm really good friends with a lot of the old captains, right? I heard someone say there's going to be a lot of Parkers for sale. There will be a lot of them for sale. <laughs> a lot of them. And one of my very close friends is a guy named The Beak. And if anybody, older guys in fishing, everybody knows The Beak. One of the nicest guys mm-hmm. on this coast. Dude's a legend. He'll tell you all about it. If you, you don't have to ask him. He'll be the first one to tell you. <laughs> I love him. And, you know, he's like 73 now, I think. Uh-huh. And we hang out all the time. He's like, young man, these are the good old days. And we might have talked about this last time, but that has been one of the single things through this whole fishery that has stuck in my head. These are the good old days. Enjoy them. And it's so true, man. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna see fishing like no, this in your lifetime again. Nobody alive has seen this fishery. Yeah. Before. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. It's just like what we're talking about, this COVID shit. You know what I mean? It's like nobody alive saw these bluefin in our waters, period. There's no argument. Mm-hmm. Last time it went from like nineteen oh eight to like nineteen eighteen. Think about that. A hundred year cycle. Now maybe global warming and all that shit and this is the new norm. I don't know. I probably don't believe that. I feel Mm -hmm. like the El Nino kind of knocked our currents off their axis and changed everything. And then that's why we have so much anchovy in our water. And Mm -hmm. make no mistake, that's the reason the bluefin are here. It's the tiny anchovy. That's crack for them. It's not the red crab. Really? They definitely will eat it. They'll eat a lot of them. But the nutrition value of red crab versus the little anchovy is it's 10 to one. Yeah. And so like we did a show with Dr. Barbara Block, man, and she's the world's leading authority on bluefin. She tells me she thinks it's going to stay this way. Wow. She thinks with the recruitment of the small fish and the amount of, you can catch everything here from a five pounder to a 400 pounder. It's telling her that there's a new crop coming up. They know the waters and who knows the traditional pattern of those fish was, you know, they would come over here as juveniles, teenagers, Mm -hmm. and they would be 40 or 60 pounds. And then when the season was over, they go back across to Asia. Now maybe they're a hundred pounds and they're going to get netted and killed. Yeah. That's why we never got big ones here. Now what they're doing is they're coming into our waters Sting. and they're making a, just a giant NASCAR racetrack from Guadalupe Island to Monterey. Yeah. And there's so much feed they don't have to leave. And in the winter, the waters offshore are actually very stable, super deep, not getting any coastal effect and all that. They're, I think they're just pushing further offshore. Then coming back in. And, and then rolling back in when the bait pushes in our coast. You know, yeah. every year we have a current shift that happens where the California current, which is the primary current that brings kelp patties down the line from north to south, mm-hmm. gets overtaken by the Davidson current. The Davidson current is a current that comes up from Baja and brings the yellowtail with it, and then the tuna, and then the marlin, and all that stuff. Well, I think that they're staying offshore until the Davidson starts doing its thing, mm-hmm. and that's bringing up the anchovy and pushing all that stuff into the beach, and they're following right with them. And then here comes your swordfish, right? With your first wave of tuna, you'll start to see swordfish with yeah. it. Yeah. You know? that's a that. Do you consider that to be a year all-year fishery of swordfish or no? No. it's. I, I mean, there may be some around year-round, but, but dude, I September, mean, with as October. many guys as we had with hooks in the water last year, I think we learned a lot in uh-huh. the... In, Dude, it just dried up. There's yeah. no question it dried. There was some caught in early December. Would not surprise me at all if you could catch one in March. But the reality, the meat of them, I think, is getting here now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen the last two weeks, right? Yeah, lots you of heard photos. of one here, one there, and then yeah. all of a sudden they're everywhere, right? I think the meat's here now, mm-hmm. and it's the thing that we got to figure out is like we got to find more places to fish them, right? Because down here we've our stock spot <laughs> is the north end of the Nine Mile Bank. Yeah, and dude, on a Saturday now, especially if there's no tuna around, you might have twenty boats <sighs> out there trying to tangle each other. And now the commercial guys are out there trying to make a living too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they've got 10 lines for each boat. We've got two on typically on our boats. Mm-hmm. Like that's a lot of gear in the water, yeah. you know? And that's where like this weekend, instead of going and dealing with the rat race, we ran 40 miles down the beach to the finger bank, which is similar structure. It had good water on it and all that. We found tons of bait, but we just didn't get a bite. Yeah. 
you thinking know, outside the box, right? Just trying dude, yeah. if it works here, why wouldn't it work there? Yes. You know what I mean? And I've got you know, some other buddies who've caught a lot of them. I mean, dozens of them now, and they've caught them in a million different spots and they have that confidence just to go to a spot, see the right conditions, send a bait down. Yeah. You know? And that's where I keep saying like, we're, we're just drifting and praying. We've got to, you know, if we want to really get, you got to put this, some time in it. It's not, it's, it's everybody needs to put in a lot of time and everybody needs to share some info. So if that's within your code group, great, yeah. you know, or if it's putting it out on bloody decks and you know, nobody's going to go wipe all these fish out. We might as well work together to try to figure out how to, you know, best target them. Who do you think has it, has a pretty lockdown as, as if you could say nobody, no one yet, nobody. And no all one. those guys that you mentioned earlier, we're all friends. You yeah. know, we all get along and I don't think any of them will tell you like Hayward and I talked about it. No, hey, I, asked, I asked Wes the same thing. He's like, I, I don't think anyone Wes and I had, you know, one or 18 drinks at the Fred Hall show together <laughs> one night and we're both just like, we don't know shit. If you think you know shit, that's the first indicator that you don't know shit. <laughs> I got this. Anybody who tells you he's got it wired literally yeah. knows nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things. Like, yeah. And, and when the minute you think you got it figured out, like any kind of fishing, it'll totally humble you. And you'll go 10 in a row without getting a bite. Shit. You know? So it's just, like I said, it's just a collection of information, I feel like. And there's a lot of guys out there that are catching a lot of them and aren't talking about it. But, you know, like the Orange County guys, they had a bite off of Newport there where you could pretty much roll out of the harbor, throw your crap over the side, and you were going to get a bite that day. Yeah. You know? And then we went down here. Like I said, we went 10 trips. We got a shark and two or three bites, and that was it. Fuck. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's humbling. And doing yeah. the same thing, you know, similar conditions. If we've got shit conditions, we're not going to fish there. Mm-hmm. You know? But if we see the bait and we see all the stuff in the right spot, yeah, that's a good place to start. I, dude, I'm telling you, there's so much to be learned. <laughs> so much to be learned. Yeah. And the ocean will humble you every time you think you've got it figured out. Yeah, definitely. Well, fuck. Thanks, Ali, for coming on, man. My pleasure, Appreciate bud. it. Um, thanks for having me down here. Oh, dude. Um, good to get you down. Yeah, and uh, plug the times of your, the show uh, oh, sun, is on. Sunday, at, I think, 7.30 a.m. on Discovery Channel for Local Knowledge. And then right. you can watch it anytime. If you go to Local Knowledge TV uh-huh. or just go to your favorite app store, Roku, Apple TV, Samsung Smart TV, any of those, we have custom apps for and you can watch it for free, 100%, anytime, Great. anywhere. All right, Ali. Well, thanks again for coming on, man, and all the support. All right, brother. Thanks for your time. (laughs) Appreciate it.